Episode 4, Ernie Sigley's Fart. Rest assured, thrilled to pieces. What time is it? I'm falling to earth. Fall out the ute, gravel creases. Set the snakes free, laughable disperse. Who knows who I really am? I don't wear masks. I know that I'm a man inside a lizard who dares to ask. Tearing down the laneway in a funny distant past. This passport is stamped with a fist of blood and pus. So after the waste of time doing public motivational speaking and that, I decided to just sit back, watch the construction, watch my money grow and wear clothes made solely out of slow-cooked cabbage. It's going to take off. I marked my word like the default Deutschmark. So I got out of bed, walked to the bank to get some cash out of the state. Bank! As I was standing there in my new diamond-encrusted combat jacket, with a picture on the back of me killing Indonesian troops in an attack hovercraft, all of the payback of T-34 getting shot at by a rascal years ago while diamond hunting Point Moresby. All of a sudden, I see what I would call an atypical scenario. A balaclava-clad bogan in a trench coat with a sawn-off shotgun. Marching in, screaming, and demanding everyone to get down. I didn't get down. I just stood there behind my body armoured jacket. He didn't know that I was armed with not only a sawn off shotgun, but my Navajo slingshot, an acid filled dog's blood bag, two mini Uzis and leather holster, inspired by Ruck Boris, and laser sunglasses. He was screaming at me, get down you bloody, bloody blonde yuppie, do you want me to show me, shove my shotgun up your yuppie anus and pull the trigger into your bloody ass, bum, and I said yes, please, and continued to pull my pants down to the horror and bewilderment I might say of the terrified onlookers. Now, at this stage, I thought in my mind, where I do all my thinking, that the solo bank robber was just one of me mates from the Nocturnal Village or some other joker acquaintance from Box Hill City. I thought it may have been Rabbit, Stingray, Millipede, The Basher, The Assaultist, Ticker Boy, or even Bog's cousin, Bloody Bog. I continued to bend over knowing he wouldn't shoot me ass to kingdom come. I don't know exactly what happened. He may have seen one of my massive grape-like hemorrhoids or something. But he dropped his gun, started crying and you know, backed off away, back against the wall. Well, at that moment I realised I'd accidentally left what I can only explain as an apparatus in my pants which I'd hidden when going through the Box Hill Library metal detectors earlier that day. It was less of a machine, more like the missing answer to all unknown answers and questions. Percy called it a thrilling torture installation piece. Uh, Scargos called it the most terrifying thing he'd ever seen. And Stevenson said it was a hilarious mockery of a cardboard cutout of a real person 
who took on the existential shape of someone who had, was screaming pointedly towards his own dreams, nightmares, and lack of presence in a constantly shifting array of shapes, concrete loneliness, and unparalleled sprinting and bouncing against walls, unheard by the outside world, heard by the dregs of society on a nightly basis in the village of miracles. So after the robber saw this thing or experienced it, he was crying like a baby, like an ammunition carrying baby. And I picked up the gun, walked hand in hand with him to the cop shop and handed him in. All of a sudden, I was announced to be a national hero, a local legend, an Australian brave simpleton. I was offered a spot on Ernie Sigley and Denise Drysdale show Showdown in Alabama, codenamed for Whispering Smack, Whispering Smackhead and Chevy's Island. So I headed up there to appear on the show. I did extra lines, took five extra pairs of undies, hair grease, rats, blood bags, under my eyes, terminated sunglasses, with glowing red eyes and made the trek to Sydney Opera Harbour. I landed, got in the cab, headed to the studio. I was welcomed by Ernie's son, Jeffrey, top bloke then, uh, and we hung out, you know, with Ernie Dingo drinking from the vodka fountain. I met Sigley, uh, Denise, they were nice, very funny, you know, just started filming. So the, uh, they started introducing me as a plastic warrior when all of a sudden Ray Martin appeared. And I almost swallowed my tongue in shock. I mean, I went in for a chest pump, but then he stole the show to say that I was at the con man and had killed the, uh, the um, greasy wallabies pillaged Box Hill and ruined the nation of Nauru. He started asking me questions. I froze in my seat as the camera zoomed in. I just sat there with my sunglasses on, right on the, across my eyes, shaking my head, sweating and bleeding out of my eyes, dropping down into my white suit. All of a sudden, Ernie Sigley did a huge fart. It sounded like leather ripping like a German machine gun. We started roaring with laughter, I mean real laughter. Lights started exploding from the energy, sparks flying down and people rolling asthmatically and vomiting on themselves, wetting their adult diapers. And all of a sudden, I started floating above the scene. And I, I mean, things were really weird. Everyone's face was evolving, evolving into cyclops and minotaurs. And I started flying on a magic carpet, uh, like the, you know, that weirdo in the Benny, uh, Benny Mardone song. Um, and I was just flying down the Hume Highway and then the Eastern. And all of a sudden I was dumped and found myself on my back in the nocturnal village. I woke up and things were totally different, but at the same time, exactly the same. All of the construction post Boom, the Filipinos, the nightclub, cinema, heroin poppies, everything, gone. It was like it was a few months ago and I was utterly confused. I was covered in soot, vomit, ale, lagers, pilsners, and we seemed to be just doing our normal stuff. You know, Raf was dancing to meatloaf, everyone else was either around the campfire singing Bogan's Heroes or just passed out in the open latrine. It took me probably an hour to 2.5 hours of arguing with the nocturnal village boys, 
to realise an absolute shocking realisation. None of the last few months had ever happened. I'd been drinking like a lizard at the election party, did some magic mushrooms, took a huge sweep from my dog's blood bag and then went AWOL for a few weeks. I passed out during the election party where Raf declared himself president and to my absolute shock and relief, the following hadn't actually happened. None of these things that I'm about to list happened. No Box Hill Historical Society attack, they didn't even exist. No Richmond Institute war, no Mick and Marty and AIDS boys, that's disappointing. No Ninja Blitz and Wulong, no Nauru House collapse, no double Ernie demise, no killing of Mr. Cruel. Sad. It was all a dream. All a dream. Oh well. Oh well. The Bunyip Bashers dynasty never happened, so I was back to square one, basically. But safe to say, square one is better than square zero. I asked Funburn what the heck I'd been up to. He just shrugged his shoulders up and down indifferently and said, Dunno, salt runner. Dunno. I was covered in blood wearing a blue jumpsuit and Skeletor was down to his bloody chassis again. Thousands of shell casings inside. What the heck had I been up to? Impe- impeccably timed, Sergeant Higgins and Sergeant Brinsky rock up and say, Reginald, we'd like you to come down to the station. We've got a few questions we'd like to answer for you. It's going to be a long night, so bring your hip flask and warmed up dog's blood bag along with your falcon sleeping bag. I just sniggered, got me stuff, got to the panel van. Oh well, easy come, sleazy go, hey? Rip it up, Tan said. I'll keep you posted on posters of myself. I'll write you some letters, so send you faxes with facts. Don't lose sleep, you sons of bastards. Love is all. Peace to this new life.